quick little disclaimer that's more for my parents who I know are listening to this episode. Um, this episode is about the word bitch, so expect to hear lots of swearing. Well, not really different swear words, but the same one over and over again. Love you guys. Anyways, now it is time for the episode. Bitch. A loaded word with a full history and evolution. Socially, not quite a slur yet but not quite appropriate for everyone to use. Who can call who a bitch? Certainly not a man. But wait, what about a gay man? They use the term all the time. When women use the term bitch, it's empowering and taking back the word. Unless they are calling a man bitch, then it's an insult. So who can use the word bitch and who can't? And does age, gender, or sexuality change the way people use the word bitch, or think about the word bitch. First, let's start with history. The word bitch lost its original doggy meaning as early as 1000 AD, with the bridge between dog and woman coming from how female dogs would act when they were in heat. It was later used in the 15th century with connotations similar to modern-day slut and whore in order to minimize female goddesses and deities in Greek culture. It wasn't until the early 19th century that we began to see the word in the context that we now know of as a bothersome and annoying woman. In the 70s, amidst the counterculture revolution and the women's revolution, we began to see the reclaiming of the word bitch from the feminist movement. Okay, so now it is time for the real, like, mathy statistics part of this episode. Um, It's been a couple years to plus years since I've taken a statistics class, so bear with me. I really did try my best, especially with the analysis part. Um, I wanted as much data as possible as well from people of different ages, gender, sexuality, all of that, and I wanted to know how they thought and how they used the word bitch. But unfortunately, I only have like five friends and they are all women. So this data set is not very good. I began my questionnaire asking for people's age, gender, and sexuality. I then asked them to define the word bitch. This was open-ended. The most common answers for this were a mixture, mixture of female dog or derogatory word for women. I then asked them from two sets of questions how insulting they were trying to be when they called someone else a bitch. I asked them to choose a number 1 through 10, with 1 being very, very insulted and 10 being a compliment. I asked them this twice, once with the target of the word being male presenting, when I, and the other time with the target of the word being female presenting. When I asked about it, they were using the word bitch to a male presenting person. The data was slightly skewed to the left, with the average number being 4.45 and the median occurring four times at the number one, two, five, and seven. So based on the average, this suggests that people were trying to be insulting and calling a male presenting person a bitch. However, it should be stated the median occurred four times and it was all, the four times it occurred was all over the spectrum at one, at two, at five, and at seven. 
interesting data. When I asked how insulting they were tending to be when the target was female presenting, the data skewed toward the right with an average of 6.56, but the median was 10. That suggests that for when calling a female presenting person a bitch, it is seen more as a compliment. My next question was, how does someone react when they are the target of the word bitch? So when a male presenting person calls them a bitch, the data is heavily skewed left with an average of 2.62 and a median of 1. So this suggests that people are extremely insulted when a male presenting person calls them a bitch. When asked how insulted they are when a female presenting person calls them the bitch, the data is very slightly skewed right, with the average being 6.56 and the median being 9. Lastly, I wanted to know if sexuality had any effect. I cannot ask if a gay man calls you a bitch because you are unable to determine sexuality based solely on look. So instead, I asked how insulted they would be if a drag queen called you a bitch. Since the majority of drag queens are gay men. For this, the data was heavily skewed right, with an average of 8.125 and a median number of 10. And my last questions were open-ended, and I was asking if someone's opinion of the word bitch changed with who the speaker was or who the target was, and overwhelmingly for both speaker and target people are like yeah that would 100% change my opinion on if it was a compliment or an insult if I'm getting ready to fight or I'm like oh my gosh yes thank you I am a bad bitch that type of thing so when I was creating this data set especially when I was creating the questionnaire I really really struggled with how to figuring out how to ask these types of questions and how to word the questions to get the most unbiased data that I could and it was really really hard and I think especially since this is like a linguistic slash linguistic anthropological episode it's important to state that how you ask a question when in a form or in a survey how you pose the question can really really influence your answers you get and I hope that the way I asked the questions, that there wasn't too much bias behind it. Full transparency, this survey was sent out when I actually did this data analysis. It was sent out a year ago. Um, and some of the linguistic analysis was done a year ago. The start of this was from an, start of this episode was from an essay from a class. And I have gone back for this podcast episode and have revisited it with new ideas as an older, more mature person. And you're going to hear, as I continue with my analysis, you're going to hear a bit about my opinions at the time of the word bitch and my opinions now. And I guarantee it will probably be different in a year or so. And when I think about the word bitch, especially with the questionnaire, I consider myself like a nice person or good person and I don't think I have ever actually been called a bitch and I don't know if that's because people only ever call people a bitch for that in that negative connotation I don't know 
this is literally me just rambling just a little bit, mostly because I want this episode to make sure I hit the time mark, but I'm also just as really making me think about my relationship with the word bitch, especially when you start thinking about it from a feminist point of view and reclaiming the word and all that, which we will talk about later. And now it is time for the linguistic anthropological analysis of it. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that brief little break with the sound effect called Caprizi. Absolutely love it. But now it is time for the theory part of my podcast episodes. And I always love this part. It's the hardest part for me since I really, really struggle with like digging deeper um, and not being super surface level. And I think this is really doing this podcast, doing these analysis have really, really taught me what I need to do to dig deeper and look inside myself a bit more, all of that. And when I get to this part, I always think of um, Bo and Yang from SNL during that with the uh, Anna Taylor Joy sketch in SNL when they're like, he's all like, I read theory. And they're like, they're like, what theory do you read? And he was like, I read theory, sis. I read theory. And that's kind of how I feel doing this. Time for the actual theory part. So, in a recent NPR article talking about swearing, this author talks about a trend of bad words becoming more mainstream. And I gotta say, I agree. According to lingu- linguistic linguist, whoo. Literally lost my tongue. According to Linguist J's article in 2009, swear words make up 0.5 to 0.7% of all words spoken in daily conversations. Now, 0.5 to 0.7, I know that is an extremely small number, but believe me, it is not that the number is small, that is, number is actually an extremely big jump from past decades. Linguist Robert Beard states that words are just the association of sounds with meanings. And he goes on to state that what we don't like about bad words is how they actually sound. They're a cacophony. And like the, like the word cacophony, it comes from the Greek words phone, meaning sound, and kakos, meaning bad. Translated, the word means bad sound, but I find it so ironic because it's literally filled with some of the worst consonant sounds in the English language, like cacophony, which means how we just mean it now in linguistics is like, oh, a bad sounding word, but it is a bad sounding word. It's got the caca and phone, e, e but with the y. It's a terrible word. Anyways, um, back when I originally wrote this, wrote this essay and I started this analysis, there was a book by an author called Ahern, and the book was Living Language, A Guide to Linguistic Anthropology, right? So in the first chapter of this book, chapter one, literally the introduction of linguistic anthropology, um, the title of the chapter, if you want to know, is The Socially Charged Life of Language. The author, Ahern, they discuss the idea of multifunctionality in the field of linguistic anthropology. I just realized... um, I'm talking a lot about linguistic anthropology, but I'm not like positive if all my listeners or audience know what linguistic anthropology is. So I'm just going to look it up on Wikipedia right now and I'll read it to you guys. So 
According to Wikipedia, linguistic anthropology is the interdisciplinary study of how language influences social life. It is a branch of anthropology that originated from the endeavor to document endangered languages and has grown over the past century to encompass most aspects of language structure and use. Linguistic anthropology explores how language shapes communication, forms social identity and group membership, organizes large-scale cultural beliefs and ideologies, and develops a common cultural representation of natural and social worlds. Basically, that's linguistic anthropology. Back to this um, textbook. So anyways, they discuss the idea of multifunctionality in the field of linguistic anthropology. And I think the word bitch is a perfect example of how multifunctionality works. So the most, like the two most obvious people in the idea of multifunctionality is the speaker, also known as the expressive function, and the addressee, known as the cognitive function. That is not cognitive, cognitive, C-O-N-A-T-I-V-E, cognitive function. But the other four functions are what make the word bitch so complex and loaded. You have to take into account context, called the referential function, message, called poetic function, contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, called the thetic function, and code, called the metalinguistic function. So, in my survey, when I asked people to define the word bitch, there was a fifth of response, no, there was a fifth, there were a fifth of the responses, which is what we would categorize as depending on context, which we said what do we say? Context was the referential function. I know this is a lot. It's a lot for me too. Um, we're just going to keep going and hopefully I clear it up as I keep talking. So the reason we must take all six functions of the word into account is because the historical context of the word and where it is now in our society. The reason when a woman calls someone a bitch and the data became so skewed is because it became commonplace for the oppressed to take back the word used by the oppressors, the ones that used to keep them down with the word. When the oppressed take back the word, vocabulary and communication becomes more complex because not everyone is on the same page of connotations. We no longer have those two expressions the expressive function and the cognitive function. We no longer have speaker and addressee. We've got all these other connotations. We've got all these other things. We've, once again, like I said, we've got the referential function, poetic function, phatic function, and the metalinguistic function. So yeah, we can take back the word, and I'll talk about it briefly at the end. Yeah, we can take back the word. However, by doing that, we're just adding another layer, another one of these functions. Anyways, in this paper, in this paper by Kleiman called Reclaiming Critical Analysis, the Social Harms of the Word Bitch, Kleiman argues that by women taking back the word bitch, they are not really doing anything to erase the harm of the word and moreover just reinforces sexism. In addition to Kleinman's argument, I would like to further argue that the only way to move past the back and forth and negative and positive connotations of the word, honestly, we should fully abolish it from the presence and language. I know personally when I say the word bitch, it feels really, it doesn't feel loaded, but it's a hard word because it is a cacophonious word. The T-C-H, the B, those are all consonants we 
aren't typically using. Um, they're using a different part of our mouth. And as somebody with a speech impediment, I spend a lot of time trying to think and focus on how I form words. And I know what the word bitch, it's using like all the least common parts of my mouth. And not only is it like a cacophonous word, but like what I was about to say instead of like, it just sounded harsh is that the word bitch is a loaded word. It's a loaded word where context is everything. When using it, um, yeah. So from the data I collected, it is clear that men can't use the word bitch. We understand that, but women can. But that's not true. Drag queens can use the word bitch. And yeah, most drag queens are men, but when they decide to be these characters or the yeah, this character and taking on this part, dressing up as women, they can use the word bitch. But when they use it, is it really empowering or taking it back? And also, women can't use the word when it's directed at men. Because if we call a man a bitch, that's insulting. That's saying that he's weak and he's annoying. But if we're taking back the word, we should be able to call men. Oh, yeah, this sounds, sorry. It sounds ridiculous. But we should be able to call men bitches. And it'll be like a positive thing, you know? And even then, with the word bitches, like, I, I sometimes hear people, like, taking back the word bitch and using it in positive connotations. But I almost never hear people, like taking the word, the plural form, bitches, as, um, not to be confused with batches, bitches, as, like, a positive connotation. I'm thinking now, and I don't think I would ever be, like, like, with my like sorority sisters, or, like, back when I was on the chair, te- on a chair team, like, I don't think I'd ever be, like, yeah, these are my bitches. I don't know. Something about that seems fake. I might have said, like, these are my main bitches, but it would be, like, a caricature type of stuff I wouldn't be like a genuine part of my a positive part of my vocabulary anyways basically what I'm getting about trying to get to is this idea in linguistic anthropology that's called community of practice this concept was first introduced by Penelope Eckert and Sally McConnell Janay who defined it as an aggregate of people who come together around a mutual engagement in in an endeavor Ways of doing things, ways of talking, beliefs, values, and power relations. In certain conditions, or with the right community of practice, swear words aren't even considered offensive. And what happens when a kid uses a proxy to trick an adult? You know, when you say something like, oh, yeah, because we don't want the adults to know we're cussing, we're going to use the word apple, and now apple means bitch. And you'll be like, oh, man, you're such an apple. When adults find that, find out what Apple stands for, the kid usually gets in trouble. But if you think about it, the kid's not really saying a swear word. The kid's not saying a bad word. However, it is standing in for what we would consider a bad word, right? I mean, but then that goes back. I guess it really is just the intent that matters. And yeah, there are some kids, most, some kids are using it. Um, calling it, oh, you're such an apple, like, you're such a bitch in a bad way. However, like, they are also, like, kids, so, like, how mean are they, how terrible or evil and mean are they actually trying to be? They're probably, most of the time, it's upset because somebody went down the slide before them. Stuff like that. 
And I think that kind of ties back into what I was talking about earlier with the idea of multifunctionality. I mean, we've got all this stuff, but I feel like we were missing from some of the multifunctionality that I guess, I guess like speaker and addressee kind of tie into it. But we have to also consider age. And unfortunately, as my data, um, I only really like had hang out with people who are my age. So I wasn't able to get a good a good data sampling. I'm never gonna be able to get a good data sample, especially with kids, because personally as like not a professional surveyor or statistician, I would never like go out and um with my parents, like friends who have like younger kids, I would never like be the one who might accidentally expose them to the word bitch if that makes sense like I would never like do the survey out and send it out to them sorry rambling on just a little bit so basically there's this other blog I read that's called thinking prismatically and on that blog the author argues that communities of practices need to be expanded to swear words to enhance our understanding of the nuances and i mean at the time when i was writing this essay i would say at the time like i agreed with that i was like yeah and i think the reason i agreed with it because i was taking it um i'm a black female i feel like i've talked about this in previous episodes but i was thinking i was taking it in terms of like really really bad words like the n-word like i don't even classify that in my mind as a curse word as a swear word I mean, you know, maybe not even a derogatory word or like a slur. Like, I classify that in my mind as a forbidden word. You know? And as a black person, I'll be honest, there are some days I will use that word and some days I don't. I feel like for me, the time of writing this essay and doing, you know, that research at that time, I feel like I felt very similar about the word bitch. There are some, there were some days, even now, there are some days where the word, I can use the word and it's all in my vocabulary and it's whatever. And there are some days where like I'll start saying bitch and I can't and brat roll off the tongue and I don't know if it's because it's a swear word, it's a taboo word, or if I was like, you know, conditioned as a child and I was just a goody two-shoe as a child and I never cursed. So I, it feels weird now. Like I said, I'm rambling just a little bit. I swear I'm going to get back to the analysis right now. So anyways, the blog, Thinking Prismatically, the author argues that communities of practices need to be expanded to swear words, right? And at the time, I agreed, but now I disagree, but only slightly. Because when we use most swear words, we never truly know all the historical context. And I'm not just talking about the etymology, like I said earlier, but like it came from like dogs and heat. I'm not just talking about that. I'm not just talking about it being a derogatory word against women i'm talking i think i'm thinking about every instance in every context that bounced around from person to person until it finally ended up in my vocabulary you know and although that seems like a lot by the time it reaches to me it will never be as full-bodied and deep as it truly is not the etymology not the history not even the context because i'm only that first time i hear it and the first time it's in my vocabulary that's the only time 
right? That's the only time, and that's going to be the first, only time the word's going to be introduced to me. That's the first time I'm going to know the word, and that will always be my primary context. And so originally when I wrote this essay over a year ago, the conclusion my, I had, which you heard a bit earlier, was shouldn't we just get rid of the word? I think no, because the people who will get want to get who you know would get just like get rid of the word are the people who need to be using the word to teach people the right or the most positive connotations for the word you know i don't ever i'm happy i never did i can't imagine if i had learned the n-word from a white person there is no way that a white person would have fully been able to teach me the nuances of that i think that's why it's so important that as a female i only use bitch in connotations that i want it to have if that makes sense right and so basically conclusion of this episode it is going to be a shorter episode it's midterm season here at my school. Like I said, I wasn't just talking about etymology. I'm talking about the talk context. I'm talking about every time I'm going, I want to use the word bitch. I want it to have that positive connotation, that positive purpose. And I think that's the way that language and definitions evolve, right? You know, language was evolved in order for humans to efficiently, efficiently communicate thoughts and ideas with each other. And when humans abuse this knowledge, we are left with words whose context are murky it doesn't quite fit into vocabulary without offending somebody and at the time i thought the solution was for us to truly like to understand the word bitch that we must abolish it from modern vocabulary and so that we could finally shed the all the hateful and empowering and whatever all the context it brings but by us erasing it from the language if it ever did come back i I don't know. This isn't a word that I want to come back as fresh. Um, I want it to stay in the vocabulary, stay in my vocabulary. And I don't want it to be a hateful word. But as a woman, I don't want it to be an empowering word. I just honestly, I just want it to be a word. I just want it to be a word. So basically, that's the episode, guys. Um, Sorry, it was super, like, rambly. Like I said in my last episode, if you didn't hear it, I'm trying to stray away from a very, very formal format because it was just exhausting for me having to write. I hate writing papers. I've got three essays to do this week for school, and, like, I couldn't imagine writing another, like, 12-page paper that was just for this podcast. So now I've been doing bullet points, loose paragraphs, that type of stuff. Unfortunately, for that means you're going to hear a lot more rambling of my thoughts. That's whatever. Anyways, um, like always, like I said earlier, sources will be linked. Ways to contact me will be linked. Basically, just my Insta. Um, And yeah, bye, bitches.